ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, DJs and DJs of the future. This episode of the podcast is supported by Doing the Damage, the only DJ pool focused exclusively on house and dance music, supplying the best remixes, bootlegs, mashups and exclusive promos from their global network of DJs, producers and labels. Check it out now at doingthedamage.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast on iTunes, Spotify and Mixcloud. Simply search Felix Leiter in the house. In this episode, I talk to Stephen Cooper about his career on the airwaves and in the DJ booth. This dovetailed to lead to an amazing specialist dance music show and landed him at some amazing corporate shows with a host of crazy celebrities. Find out how he got to the top of the game. He's a truly inspirational fella and a nice guy to boot. Felix Leiter's in the house. The podcast about DJs, what they do, and who they are. Okay, we're in um, Dublin today. Uh, we're in uh, we're in a gym actually, which is interesting. Um, and I'm with Stephen Cooper. Hello, hello, welcome um, to Dublin. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was just chatting before. It's been a while since I was here for a gig, but um, it's lovely, and I very much hope that I remain an, a European citizen. But let's not. <laughs> Let's not go down. That's another podcast. Yeah, let's save that for the 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 Brexit pod, which I will not be starting. So, I'm going to start this podcast in the same way that we start every podcast, which is: What are your earliest memories of music? Like, what? Where where do you remember hearing it? Did you you, did your parents have it on? Was it it in the car? Was it at home? Like, just what do you remember as as the earliest memories of music? It was definitely my dad. Um, He was. He is a music lover, and uh, throughout my entire childhood, there was always a wall of vinyl in the house, and he was a real gadget freak and uh, sound headcase. So he always bought equalizers for you know, you know, separated stack hi-fi. It wasn't like in your friend's house where there might be just like the all one unit. He had all the different units and he spent so much money on like different record players and everything. So there was always music in the house uh, ranging from the Beatles to Eric Clapton to Joan Armand trading to Chris DeBerg and Chris Rhea. And um, so I would spend hours because I'd be told to arrange the records. He says, I want them. It's probably to get me something to do. <laughs> and that's just clicked now. <laughs> I want them in alphabetical order. One week it was alphabetical. <laughs> the next week it was colour. The next week... Yeah. Yeah. I don't like how it looks in alphabetical order. Uh, so, oh, uh, I can't believe that. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> and as a parent, I should have realised that a long time ago. So, yeah. So, like, I, as I'd be sorting through the records, I'd uh, be putting one on. I'd be listening to it. And you'd, you'd listen to everything from classical music to you know, Pink Floyd, and then the Now albums started coming out. I only got the Now albums out recently because my daughter for her birthday wanted a record player. Yeah. So I had to go and find them in a lockup, and uh, I found the first Now album, and I gave them to her, and along with some ABBA, and she it just listens to non-stop, so she's listened to ABBA. But, like, it was from uh, pretty much since I was... Born, so it was parents, always music. Yeah. And I think you raise another interesting point, which, which no one's, which again, has just clicked for me, is that, is that now we live in the age of those, those smart speakers. Things have obviously progressed. You know, mm. We have phones, we have laptops, but we have those smart speakers where we can just say something and it'll play some music. But you reminded me of that wonderful era of like separate, like sound system separate yeah. by a tape deck. 
and that would be a separate thing that you need to plug into the amp and then you could plug an equalizer into the amp and then you could plug a vinyl on a deck which would be on top yeah and then and then but then you thought you had it all and then the cd player came out and you got the cd separate and that yeah. came in and then you, you had to choose your speakers and like oh, yeah no. yeah so my my um my one of my best friends like that his family owned like a hi-fi shop and it was amazing oh, to go, go and see that sort of stuff so so cool so your dad had a big so was, was he was he a musician did he go like to gigs was, no, it, was well, he did he work in music or did he just love music so he loved music he's self-taught on guitar okay. and so he would have got me a guitar and I know like three chords so I'm not very good and I only got a guitar two years ago for Christmas for my wife because she's like you should get back playing it again um, I've played those three chords over and over again in as many kind of ways I can but um, yeah no he but he also when he was younger uh, he used to play records at social dances okay so he was essentially so he was essentially a DJ yeah but it was before there was you know double decks it was like there was a song on and that record was over everybody would stand around waiting for the next one as he put it on so from that point on and uh, he was even still doing some socials for because he was a guard like a policeman yep and uh, he would DJ at their their social events and I would go along and help him get set up amazing and I think my first gig that I did uh, DJ gig was he literally trusted me to do it and it was 70s disco music and 70s rock music and was that still taking one record off and putting one record on no 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 at this no, point no. did you have no, it you had to make work right okay. so we rented a double deck okay I think it was a Citronic okay double deck so it was like a solid unit that had like two turntables yeah. and a mixer all like solid in it yeah even wow. had a light it was on a bendy right. yeah, <laughs> you know that yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah my first gig I think it was like 14 or 15 years old and I was playing 70s disco. So you you kind of answer a lot of the, the questions that we move on to like quite quickly because well, well, then I kind of go what's what's the first so your dad's got a lot of music right mm. and that's very different from even now I imagine if you are 14 or 15 now there's a very good chance potentially that in your house there's no physical music which, which seems strange like, yeah. y- y- your parents or you might have a vast collection but you might not have any music that you can physically hold so you you knew that your dad owned this music he had all this vinyl what's your first memory of your music like the first bit of music that was physically yours that you had in your room like was it given to you did you buy it what was it can you remember well we were very lucky uh that dad also took photographs for, as a hobby okay. before he became a forensic photographer okay. and he would take pictures at concerts for the record companies okay. and the music promoters so when he'd be bringing the physical actual photographs before it went all digital yeah. um, he would then come home with a box of vinyl from the gig like promotional yeah no, but from the actual record company offices Wow. so I used to love going in there and they would say just take whatever you want there and you'd literally flick through. But the first record I ever bought, you ready to have your mind blown? Yeah. It was the Muppet Show. Nice. Yeah. Have you still got it? Oh, it has to be somewhere. It's like a, it's one of those big double ones. It's a double ones. one, yeah. Like, did it even have no, like, a book in the middle or anything? It probably it did. Is. But I, I just remember it was the Muppet Show theme. There was another song at the end of the Muppet Show theme, which... But it's so sad. Can you imagine how well... And I'm sure they might have released one. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong here. 
But can you imagine how well a physical frozen double vinyl with a book and like you know imagine as a child getting that in cellophane and like taking it off and reading it and like pulling the vinyl out and like smelling it yeah yeah, which is which is you know and again I I try not to sound like that person who's like harking back to good old days they're not the good old days things progressing it's great now we can just instantly listen to something that we want to hear and find it so there's there's great positives well I got to see that uh, bit of magic when I mentioned earlier that my daughter Elizabeth like 11 years old wanted a record player because she always hears me talking about them and um, when I brought her to buy her first record uh, she couldn't believe that one of her favourite films was on a record and she's like oh my god so she got um, The Greatest Showman amazing so I'm like well you've got to reach up and get that yourself so she had to Literally climb on the bottom shelf of the, with the CDs and grab it. Amazing. Now, it was 28 bloody euro. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, it's damn. Like, it's like a MasterCard advert, isn't it? Like, yeah. the, 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 the Metro to town, three euro. <laughs> the, Mac, the McDonald's, seven euro. Black Uber, the, that 50 look euro. Of, that look of joy and priceless on your daughter's face. Priceless. <laughs> yeah. Actually not, it's 28 euro. <laughs> I was just like, damn. So, like, not only did it cost me that plus a record player, but then she uh, she had money herself, and she was uh, she she wanted to buy something else. So yeah. I'm like, well, what are you going to buy? She goes, I think I might get Ariana Grande. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so she got that, and uh, then when she got it home, uh, my wife was like, do you realise there's explicit lyrics all over that? I'm like, I didn't even see. There's like a bit, of course, the explicit lyrics sticker on it. I, said, I didn't even see it. I should have spotted it, but anyway. So but how, does she, how is she going to um, play? I'm just intrigued. So does, is it a newfangled record player with a speaker in it, or do you need to plug it into... It's like an old school suitcase record player. Okay. So it's got the speakers on it. Amazing. Mm. Right, cool. Okay, so... so, so that went down a rabbit hole. Where were we? <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. No, it's, no, it's great. But I mean, I, I think that that's one thing that, you know, I'm really glad that your daughter's had that experience because I think it is one thing that generations and hopefully things might, might change and come back because it's amazing down it's amazing being able to listen to to the music that you love instantaneously mm. I mean I do all the time I you know I hear, hear a new bit of music and I'll be on YouTube or I'll be on Spotify and I'll just be able to immediately listen to it in my earphones wherever I am now that yeah. is that is phenomenal like, yeah. that is probably more phenomenal than what I'm about to say but it's also phenomenal to hold and own something and have that memory because I don't remember the first time I streamed a record I like, but I'm pretty sure your daughter will remember the first time that she went with you oh, to yeah. a shop and bought the greatest um, showman soundtrack. You know, that yeah. would be a, phys- a, a memory. So, I, you know, I do think that's a shame. So, so you, you started getting, and it's funny how, and we come back to this kind of like almost parents thing again, but it's funny how, and we'll go on to discuss what you've later done, but it's funny how parents seem to unwittingly and unintentionally by their actions guide their children in, in some way. Yeah, so my dad guided me and I've now guided my daughter. Yeah, so yeah. Was, and, and you know, he opened you up to this whole this whole world of music and mm. the fact that, you know, you knew that he was going to do these these socials and these parties. You knew that he took photos at gigs and at concerts. You knew that there was this music and everything else. So that's really shaping, you know, who you are. And so I guess the next thing it will be like, when did you, so your dad kind of was a DJ even before he technically wasn't mixing records together. So did you did, did you initially did you think that was something you wanted to do? Like, did you talk to him about it? Was it something you weren't really interested in but were just aware of? Like, how do you remember that through your childhood like taking place? I think it was like I always loved music and the fact that when you could 
see it being played in the big room, people dancing. Um, which, but I, before that happened, I uh, got introduced to radio, and um, but before that, I was doing uh, like stage, so like singing and dancing and okay. acting and stuff. At the age of eight or nine, I wanted to be a magician, okay. but I ended up doing a Donald Duck impression and. I went from there, but the same people who we were doing these stage shows with opened up a part of radio station. Were you just let's so let's pause there for a second? Were you are you an only child? No. Do you, so you? I'm the youngest. You're the youngest. Yeah. So because because we talked about this with, with Ben about his older sister opening up certain doors to to his musical journey. Like, so did your older brothers and our sisters? Were they performing? Were they singing? Were they? Was anyone else doing that like side of entertainment kind of thing? They got into it because I got into it. Okay, so you... So uh, I was the one who... My mom brought me down to this audition. Okay. And uh, she was just like, all right, I'll sit here. So how old might you be? I was eight. Okay. And I wanted to do a magic act. And when it got... Like the hours went by, they were seeing singers and dancers. And I uh, was like, I'm here to do magic. They're like, listen, we've seen enough magicians. Is there anything else you can do? I said, I can do a Donald Duck voice. And he's like, what does it go like? And I... And he's like, great! So I ended up being the guy in the middle of when they were doing the changing of scenes. I used to be Donald Duck coming out. I had a pair of rubber gloves on my feet, yellow tights and painted <laughs> as Donald Duck. And uh, the Marx Brothers, two li- other young fellas would come out and we would uh, do a little act while they changed the set behind us. And then we would go off. That's amazing. But the, these guys... Uh, but yeah, my sisters then uh, got involved to do some of the getting involved in set design. So it was, just like, it was just like a stage show? It was a variety show. A variety show, yeah. 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 And it, it, was, was, it was in a theatre. It was... Yeah, well, well they were in community centres okay. and sports halls. Okay. But eventually, uh, it, it was a competition. Okay. So you had to come up with this show, and it was called The Cream of the County. So okay. each different town would come up with these uh, shows, and the final... And now you know where Simon Cowell got it from, basically. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But the uh, the final was in the... Gaiety? I think it was in the Gaiety. Yeah, it was in the Gaiety Theatre, which is a beautiful old theatre in Dublin. And uh, like to perform on that stage was just a dream, even as a nine-year-old. Even as Donald Duck. Even as Donald Duck, dressed in, in your mother's yellow. Were you still doing Donald Duck at that point, or did it progress to something else? Oh, that was still Donald Duck. Okay. Yeah, it was the first year we did it. But anyway, they we, we did a few years of that, and then the same people uh, opened up a radio station, a pirate radio station, and the um, it was a community pirate radio station, so it was information about the community, news and music, and the... Um, was it was it technically illegal as well? Oh, it was. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Was it on long wave? No. But I'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> the um, it, it was it was called Phoenix FM. They now have a license. It's a community radio station in Blanchardstown in Dublin. But um, they wanted somebody. Uh, sorry, it wasn't that they wanted somebody. They just asked me because I was so interested in radio and involved with the the variety group. Would I uh, do a few bits and pieces on the Drive Time Show? Yeah, no problem. So I I went in. I used to read information from uh, just like gossip from Smash It's magazine and Top of the Pops magazine like an entertainment report exactly and read horoscopes <laughs> it was it was it was great crack it was good fun where did you where did you just like to take one step back where did your love of radio come from like did you already have a love of radio yeah listening to radio if I wasn't listening to records I was listening to the radio and even at that young age of 8 or 9 before the 13 year old became a radio presenter 
I was pretending to be on the radio. Yeah. I used to have a radio station in my kitchen called Kitchen FM. Yeah. And uh, I'd record a song and then I'd record myself. Yeah, I did that. See? You know, I've done a double deck. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you're doing that as a young age, it's obviously there's something about you that is going to evolve to become a radio presenter, you know? Yeah. Um, the We all got closed down, the Pirates. And as a 13-year-old, I even petitioned to try and get... I had a book sitting outside the shopping centre, outside Tesco, trying to get people to sign to keep it open. Never happened, but um, that was gone. And it was like, all right, back to school, back to normal school. Which is, which is tough. Mm. Um, so it was every day after school, I used to go down, it was great. So then what were the, what were the next steps then? So you've obviously discovered that you like, you know, to summarise, I guess you, you, you like entertaining people. You're not, you're not scared of being in, in a crowd. Yeah. But you definitely have a love of music and, 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 and potentially even a stronger love of, of radio presenting. Yeah. But at quite a young age, what did you then sort of, when, where, where were the next steps then? Like, I mean, you can summarise it, I guess, you know, in a five-year period, but from 13, 14, 15, where did you then, what happened? Did you try and find work experience at other radio stations? Yeah, well, did the, you? The, the, the guys who got closed down, there was community licences and commercial licences set up, so they uh, were successful with a radio station that they called it Anna Olivia, and I used to present a weekend breakfast show. Okay. Uh, what, so, like... A, School, secondary school during the week, and then at the weekends I would do that. So you're like what, sixteen at this time? 15, yeah, sixteen. Okay, uh, but like even um, even during the week, I get the but like it was in Dublin city centre, and I was living in Blanchestown. I'd get the bus after my homework and go in. I'd stay there till like the last bus home, just in the radio station, just tinkering about, yeah. playing with records, yeah. just messing with the equipment, getting to know the environment. And uh, then it came to exams time, and I know we spoke about this uh, in the car on the way over, and uh, I uh, failed my, what is the equivalent of your A-levels. You may not have excelled, I think is a better way of, of putting it. Uh, no, I, was, I, thought, I thought I was going to nail these exams, because I was doing, I was doing subjects I was really passionate about. Okay. Construction studies, woodwork, metalwork, art, which I loved. Um, and Italian, but we also had English, Irish, and maths. Irish, I passed, I don't know how, because I haven't got a word of Irish. Uh, maths, I passed, I don't know how, I can barely count. English, I thought I was going to get honours in, because I, you know, I used to love writing essays, but apparently my, <laughs> my English was the worst. I actually failed English. Yeah. So uh, I couldn't get into college to do radio production and journalism. So, so what age are you now? You like, are you 16 or 18? 18. 18. 18. So um, my mom's like, right, you need to go get a job. So I ended up working in a stationary company. Okay. Uh, filing. That was the worst three months of my life. Three months. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I left before I got fired. Jumped. <laughs> yeah, you know, sorting out invoices and whatever the hell. Shred that one, make sure that goes. Were some... you at this point still able to do anything like were you, were you playing records were you still going to the radio station were you still presenting kitchen fm were you still doing or, or had you had you had this horrible thought process that that wasn't a viable thing i was still and playing music and uh, at any any given occasion where there might have been a house party i'm okay. like i'll bring the records right okay but like even in primary school i used to bring the records into school like, okay um but yeah no i was still determined to become a dj and like listening to like we, but them. you, you, but you. Interestingly, and maybe we'll speak. I'll speak to someone else in the future. But you definitely had, a, a, as opposed to becoming a nightclub DJ, which mm. you, which you, you later became and were and are or whatever. But you definitely had a, a, a different 
you had a name of being a DJ on radio. Yeah. That was the aim. So, so, so that was that was the thing that you still really keenly wanted to do. I think it was a mix of both. Okay. Yeah. Um, but because I was like 16, 17, wanting to be that club DJ, I was yeah. still too young. Yeah. And uh, so like, I was probably 17 when I did my first club gig. Did you have, and when did you, like, do you have memories of getting your first like equipment? Like, you know, that wasn't, again, that wasn't your father's or the family's. Like, did you get your own like separate system or did you get your own I didn't buy tape one. player or did you get a vinyl deck or did you get, can you remember having that first thing that sort of you could play your music on that was in your room? I didn't or? buy uh, equipment until very, very late okay. into my career. Um, because you were trying to make as much money as possible to get by because it's like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to make a living on. I, um, you eventually did have to buy it because it was too expensive to rent it out. And I was renting and you'd have to put that on top of your fee. Okay. So you were doing sort of events. Oh yeah. And renting equipment yeah. to be able to do the event. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And like the events range from under 18s, like school discos. Yeah. Where my mom used to drive me to because I couldn't drive it out of a car. Yeah. And we would literally load her little mini metro up with crates of records. Yeah. And then I'd arrive and the sound hire company would be there setting everything up. And pretty much I would make no money on the night just to try and just, get momentum just, just to be able to do it and, yeah. to, be able, and, to, and to learn and to be, getting, to be building a reputation yeah so I think I think the first time I ever bought equipment which was the ones that I really wanted was when the Pioneer CDJ 1000 Mark 3s came out okay it was when I said right these are the ones I want to buy because they could read data yeah <laughs> so do you remember and like it's, again it's, it's, it's a funny one because you're we discussed your dad was a DJ, was DJing, was playing records to crowds at events. Do you remember the first time you went somewhere and saw a DJ mixing, whether it be at an event, a club, a gig, pre a band? Or do you just remember ever that that first time of seeing someone being a DJ? And like, do, do you remember where that was or what it might have been? I'm trying to think. Or was it your dad? Was you know? Was is that the memory of going? Yeah, I remember seeing my dad doing that, playing records to people. But I didn't. I did, possibly, but the thing is, I didn't want to play what he was playing. Okay. You know, I think the first time I saw a DJ and I, uh, that I went, this looks like great fun. I want in on this. Yeah. Was a uh, was a beer promotion. Okay. And it was in my local pub, so I'm like 18, 19. Okay. There with the guys you grew up with, and it was it was Budweiser. Okay. And there was the Budweiser girls and this DJ, and they were all in Budweiser jackets. Okay. And the extra sound and lighting, and I'm like, this is this is different. And they were getting people up to play games. Uh, it was rude. It was loud. It was in your face. It it all happened in an hour and a half, and then they were gone. And we're just like. What just happened? What is this? And I remember going up and looking at uh, the DJ's equipment and looking at his mixing desk, and I've never seen a mixer like it It was an Eckler mixer. Yeah, it it looked like what Apple looks like now. Like this is like. Were they they playing vinyl then, or were they playing CDs then? You remember? He would have been CDs. Like double CD. Yeah, he definitely would have been CDs. Uh, yeah, they would have been like a, a double stack mount. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, not even the front, like literally where you press and the tray comes oh, out. Oh, wow, right, okay, yeah. It, it was two separate CD players okay. that your dad would have on his hi fi. Wow, wow, okay. Um, but I remember getting talking to him and ta- said to him, like, 
I'm a DJ myself, boys, you know. Uh, how, how, how do I how do I get in on this? The immortal line. <laughs> and um, I got his number and I, I met up with him. And so was he like an Irish guy that was just hired? Like was he a local Yeah, they were, they were part of like an agency and there team. was a load of them. Okay. And I ended up then working and touring the entire country. Amazing. So I eventually got my car so I was able to fill it up with uh, DJ equipment. And that sort of stuff, like... You know, that sort of stuff doesn't really happen anymore, does it? I don't know if it's to do with how cool we all think we are or that the industry thinks it is or, or whether, you know, in pubs, you know, there's not as many pubs as there are. I guess it's not as many people going to pubs. But, you know, I mean, I remember things like that. When I was young, there would be like your local nightclub or your local pub or whatever. There would be like a big, like you say, a promotion yeah. from a brand and they would bring all this stuff in and then do all this amazing thing. But I don't, do you, I don't think that happens as much anymore. Like, Promotions on that level, no. Is that just because of cost, do you think? Like, like what it costs now to, to, to deliver that? Or, and it's so, I suppose it's so much easier... Well, I'm going to answer my own question. Because now it's so much easier to advertise through social media. Yeah, when you can hit somebody to, where they have it in their hands. Yeah, you don't yeah. need to physically be in front of them anymore. Which is kind of just made life boring as well. Yeah. You know, there's nothing worse than going into a pub where there's just music on. Because it always makes me think of Cindy Lauper. Um, because she apparently toured shopping malls and sang is it girls just want to have fun yeah. she apparently did something like 300 shopping malls over the course of like six months because that was the way that you got in front of people yeah and then they released a single six seven months later and it did really well because Amazing. she literally put herself in front of those thousands of people whereas now when we were talking about before influencers and yeah. social media and again it's not you know, not certainly not saying it's right or wrong or better or worse. It's just different, and and and, and that's how you exploit it now. Is yeah, as a brand. But it, but also, it's it's a bit disheartening. It's kind of like if you want to do promotion, you just like you put fifty quid into Facebook and you yeah. you target it, and it's like there you go, done. <laughs> and then you sit there going, oh, okay, so now fifteen likes. So now I am now I am super interested, right? Um, Stephen has he's, he's done a bit of DJing, he's had his own equipment, he has been on the radio, he's had all that buzz. Now he's in a job that he hates for three months. Yeah, for three what, months. What's, what happens next? How, <laughs> once my mom, so I left and I'm like, Mom, I just want to DJ. You know, I've got the few gigs going, uh, which was in my local, where I saw that DJ do that promotion. Yeah. Uh, I ended up being a Friday and Saturday night resident in the, the, local, in pub, the local pub. And it, it was great. Had there been a DJ before that, or you persuaded them to have you? Uh, yeah, there was. Otherwise, he ended okay. up doing Sundays. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, um, so, you, so you're doing a couple of gigs, which is the way we all get going. Yeah. You've got a little bit of money. Yeah. Probably still living at home. No, 100% still living at home. Because you can. And then, so what's, what happens next? What's, what's the next steps on the journey? Um, my mum's like, well, listen, you, you got to do something that says, so she wanted to bring me to the, the, the job centre, which at the time was called FOSS. She goes, you got to do something, do a course, do a college course. And I'm like... <laughs> the desperation of the parents. <laughs> <laughs> Just to amuse her, um, it was the best decision I'd ever made because there was a, a course for radio production and journalism Wow! and radio producing and uh, you got paid to do it, so it was an employment scheme, so you got your, your dole essentially, Yeah. Uh, but it was also in Waterford, okay. down the very, very south coast of the country, Okay. so I got to move out at home okay. at 19, 20, okay. and... Uh, no, I was 19, yeah. And so I moved down, I 
went. I got. So you looking like studenty type halls, or was it? Or was it more like a rented room, or how did it work? But the first month was a uh, was digs where I, I lived in this lady's house, and there was fifteen of us in one tiny room. It felt like at one stage, uh, but then I found a. A house which the guy was renting out two rooms so myself and one of the other guys on the course okay. Joe we rented out so the course was very basic radio with a very basic studio but um, was it one year two years I never finished it okay because we had to do work experience okay and that work experience uh, ended up in me getting a full time job yeah. so I went for a week's work experience and you never left Never left. So where did you go? Where did you go and do it? It was a station called FM 104. Okay. Uh, there in Dublin. And will people obviously, excuse my naivety, but people will rem- remember that? Is it still going? Oh, it's it? still going. Right, yeah. So people know exactly what you're oh, talking yeah. about. Okay. Um, so I, I started and I, did, I worked in as many departments as possible. I wasn't on air. I eventually graduated to doing uh, kind of like the on street guy for the breakfast show. Yeah. So I was doing that. And uh, I was still pushing to try and get on air. Still no joy. It was so hard. It's just like I'm banging my head off. Of you're in, are you back in Dublin at this point? Yeah, yeah. Back and in are, Dublin. Are you doing at home again? Are you do- <laughs> I'm still doing loads of gigs. So you're still, yeah. I was going to ask yeah. my next question. Well, so yeah. So when, when I was in college, like I would come home at the weekend to do to do to do gigs. To do gigs. So I was, you know, I was, yeah, I was like, yeah, I got loads of money in college. Yeah. Um, but that didn't obviously last that long. So like I, I'm banging my head off a brick wall trying to get these gigs on air and I'm working in the radio station making good contacts learning so much about every department I think it's very important that if you understand what everybody does in a radio station I think there's a lot more communication because it's usually yeah. uh, sales and on air are usually bloggerheads because they neither understand yeah. how on air works and on air don't understand the pressure that sales are neither want, neither want to understand either <laughs> I would encourage them to because yeah. it, it, it's two different very different worlds and if you can understand then I think the the whole thing can work um, so from that to doing the on street stuff um, uh, doing links back so that's like right I'm on here and doing links back um, during that and the, the, the radio programmer at the time was just like listen they're looking for somebody on Tip FM on weekends which is in County Tipperary why don't you try that well you'll still work here I'm like okay is so. that was it kind of the same company no oh, okay just, just connections okay so I did that for a while and then so that got you on air on a radio yeah which is a pretty big deal yeah it was yeah so I uh, then one of the guys I was in college with ended up working as a he worked in production so making jingle packages and everything like that and all the imaging for Atlantic 252 yeah I don't know do you remember that of course so I heard he went there and I'm like, I'm going to send my demo in. So I put a demo together and I drove up to him because Advanced 252 is in Mead, even though it was broadcast for the UK. Yeah. And um, I always thought it was in a ship. I think that was... <laughs> Everybody did. I think I was just like, I think I wanted to believe that more than not knowing that it was... I true. think sometimes we pretend we were in a ship. And the fact that it said <laughs> the word Atlantic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> in the middle of the Atlantic. Yeah. Um... So I, I. So where's Mead? Sorry. So sorry, Mead is uh, the next county beside Dublin. Okay. So if you're heading west, you hit Mead or Kildare first, and uh, it's it's beside it, it's in Trim in County Mead. Okay. And that's where like bra- a lot of movies like Braveheart and stuff were filmed. So I drove there. I handed in my demo. Two days later, I got a call for an interview, and uh, then I was offered a uh, overnight shift. So I'm like. Holy crap, this is like millions of listeners. I'm on overnight. 
two o'clock in the morning till five o'clock in the morning, and um, I. Which is also interesting because this is before automation and stuff, isn't it? So, like, so if you want to be a twenty-four hour radio station, you yeah. have to have someone there. Yeah, like, we're now you can now you can program. Because I did this at, in, for Metro and Newcastle. Like, I yeah. programmed the, sh- the music that went out overnight. You know, yeah. almost pre-mixed it with jingles and dropped it all in, then just put it in the you know the system, and that was what went out overnight. Whereas if you wanted, to, you know, what you're saying is if you wanted, because I don't even think the radio want to have presenters on or overnight now, like, but 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 yeah, but before they put, like if there wasn't a presenters on, they'd use a videotape, right? Because okay. they were on long play, right, so okay. they record onto it, so it'd be hours long. I think you get sixteen hours of it, an eight-hour right. tape okay. was on slow. But um, yeah, so it's like this is amazing. So. Because uh, I think Atlantic 252 introduced me to dance music probably even before ra- before Radio 1 did because before I was probably old enough to listen, to be up late enough to listen to specialist yeah. shows on Radio yeah, 1. Yeah, it was about 1998 when um, David Dunn uh, came from Manchester. Yeah, uh, David Dunn well. Um, and he turned it into non-stop rhythm and dance. Yeah. So it was very uh, R&B and dance orientated. Yeah. We changed the lineup. We did a lot of... Jesus, uh, we rocked to zero as one of the, yeah, the DJs. We did Eddie Temple Morris. Yeah. Do you know, the maddest show ever. Um, but uh, Caroline and Lottie were some of the presenters on as well. And it was dance. So like once it got to a certain time in the evening, it was just... Dance even through. through the day, I just remember hearing records on like two five two that I did not hear. Oh yeah, on sure. Daytime used to do radio a midday mix. Yeah, like, like you take five big tunes and yeah, just bang them out. You know, you, you'd hear things like you know whatever two limited or whatever, and I just would not have heard those records on daytime radio. And if you listen long enough, you'd hear it twenty minutes later. Again. Oh no, I mean, I remember, <laughs> I remember so this is the one the one memory in this podcast makes like me and the people in the studio happy memories. But I remember being really ill in bed one day and being off school my mum would not let me miss school like you like it was one of those things you know your legs got to be hanging off before you <laughs> get to death school and I must have been really and I must have had a temperature I must have been like genuinely genuinely I remember being in my mum's bed um, like my mum wasn't in it but I'm <laughs> glad to clear that up um, this is the reason I remember because I didn't have a radio in my room at this point and she put a like 252 on it and I must have heard I think it was either thriller or bad I must have heard it Thirty six times, in the, and I thought I was I was I was already a little bit feverish. Do you know what I mean? And like 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 flitting in and out of consciousness. And I must have heard that Michael Jackson record every half an hour for the entire day. It was gas like in the in the building in Atlantis two five two. There was uh, so you know the way you'd have a gold disc. We used to get how many plays, and there was. I th- we had a TLC, no scrubs or waterfalls, and I was like, thanks for the one million plays. <laughs> okay, so, so you're on overnight. Yeah, and, and my name was two. Elvis O'Brien. Elvis O'Brien. Because they gave you his stupid name, okay. so you remember them. So, Elvis O'Brien. Dickie Bowes, your ricochets. Did, did that ever mean that you DJed as Elvis O'Brien? Yes. Like, out and about? Yeah, like, I did. Did that overnight shift get you DJ gigs out and about? Or the, the mere fact that you put Atlantic 252... Well, I wasn't on overnights for long, because the, the turnaround for DJs in Atlantic 252 was insane. Okay. They'd only stay, like, six to Why eight Why was that? They get gigs elsewhere. They get snapped. They get pumped yeah. by other by other radio stations. And um, so, like, I I quickly moved on to evenings, and then midday, and then afternoons. I never did breakfast, uh, but I did every other show. How old are you at this point? Well, how old was like I? Twenty four. Uh, Twenty one. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it was insane. Was there anyone else on the station that was kind of 
that, that young. Everybody was that young. Right, okay. Uh, there was one stage where I was the youngest. I was there for four, maybe five years. And I was then the oldest. Okay. At 28. Wow. Yeah. I also then uh, met my wife there. Okay. So she was working on reception, covering somebody for maternity leave. Okay. And uh, I might have been, I might not have, we're the only wedding out of Atlantic 252, but we're not the only couple officially. There was plenty of back on. <laughs> the, only, the only wedding, but maybe not the only children that were produced. Oh, yeah, of. probably. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> Spreading rumors. No comment. <laughs> Um, so and so this and you're still doing nightclub gigs at this time. Nightclub gigs like dry like as Elvis O'Brien you do gigs like, and uh, it was so funny. Um, I think it was a Big Bang was the agency in the UK would book you two gigs in uh, Northern Ireland. Okay. And uh, the the way the Atlantic Two Five Two DJs were booked, you'd have to come with t-shirts and merchandise because it was a big like almost an Atlantic 252 promotional event kind yeah of, kind of thing although it wasn't maybe run by then no that's how it so it felt you'd have to get t-shirts printed with your name on them and stuff yeah it's like god but I was only Alice O'Brien for I think eight months and then after research the city names weren't working so everybody was then given regular names you mean just your name yeah just okay. my name. yeah <laughs> Just regular old Stephen Cooper. James James Hype was calling it his government name. Yeah, <laughs> that was really funny. Okay, so 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 you so you you that's weird. So people, it's like it's like when on a soap where like you know like Billy Kennedy's been like on a certain actor for so long, and neighbours then one day it's just a different person. Yeah. But so you still produce it. You still almost put in the same radio show, at the same time, on the same station. Yeah. But now your name is just. Well, See, it's not just yeah. that's really harsh, sorry. But you well, know what I mean? Not. But as opposed to being Elvis O'Brien, yeah. you're just like, good morning, it's Stephen Cooper. And everyone's yeah. like, all right, great. Yeah, like there would have been a, <laughs> schedule, a reschedule and all, all that right, okay. and stuff. Like, like they obviously would have recognised my voice as well. So you, my, I mean, you must have literally felt like this was the greatest time to be alive. Oh my God, it was incredible. It was just like, it was like at one stage with six million listeners. Wow. And then... So was it, was it always... Illegal, or was there something to do with the whole fact because you were broadcasting from outside of the UK, technically, or how did it work? Well, no, like, it was fully licensed, so it was also it was never illegal. But they, did they make it out as if it was? No, everybody thought it was. That's right. Okay, yeah, so, in my mind, it was always a pirate yeah, radio no, show. Which is why I thought it was presented from the middle of the Atlantic. The show we had offices on New, uh, offices and studios on Newman Street in London. Okay. And uh, I did the show there a couple of times um, with the studio. All the sales had to so be was it? So was it a very clever ruse? Like, did someone somewhere think, I'm going to get a, a proper radio licence, but I'm going to make it look like a guerrilla, you know, sort of underground, um, you know, illegal thing? Probably, but actually, yeah. it's, it's a completely above-board, signed, sealed, delivered... Package, yeah, because that would work really well now. Do you know what I mean? Like, if someone, I suppose it's it's what Virgin, I guess, try and do a little bit now is to look yeah. and feel a little an absolute, I guess, try and feel a little bit left of center and a little bit kind of more edgy and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, it probably was. Uh, like, I don't know the, the original concept of the setup, but like, because yeah, in, in my mind, and again, I was a kid at this point. Mm. To me, it was an, it was it was a naughty radio station. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Oh, should we got not any time we did advertising campaigns. I remember there was one. It was like it was called "Dance Your Nips Off," <laughs> and it was the biggest billboard you can imagine at the side of the road, and it was of a man's chest 
which was uh, trimmed, not shaven completely, and it had plasters over his nipples. And I was dancing your nips off at Galaxy 252. Amazing. Oh my God, the amount of complaints we got. That's near a school. We can see the man's chest. If, if, if they knew what was coming. Yeah. Um, so, did, so did you leave? Did you work? Did, 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 or did the Atlantic 252 journey end? Or how, what got, happened? I got approached uh, by F104 where I was not getting any radio shows. But I built up this a, a good reputation of being on air and doing the club circuit. That um, so at this point, did you have sort of club residencies? Or was it more gigs? Or was it more guest slots? It was more guest slots because now. of the brand that you had built up. Yeah, on it, it was it was guest slots and a few residencies as well. Okay. Like um, there was one place I used to play called um, it was called Major Tom's, and I still wasn't playing you know the music I wanted to, but it, it was a wage. To help me get by. It was major times in, in Dublin. Yeah, and it was the biggest party ever. It was it was insane. It okay. was, like, How many people were sort of talking maybe? Oh in, in the venue. In times I don't know. Five, six hundred people? Okay. Was it just one big was it one room that with a big bar? So if you you know the do you remember the TV show Cheers, the way yeah. the bar in the middle? The yeah. bar was in the middle. And then where the kitchens were during the daytime, because the, it was a restaurant, and um, we put the DJ box up there after the kitchens were all closed. And the, it was called Major Tom's after uh, David Bowie, yeah. Grandpa Charles Major Tom. And the place was just littered with like rock and roll memorabilia. And um, then literally there'd be a queue down the street for people to get into this place. It was seven nights a week, it was nice. Non- Stop party was like. So you're playing kind of rocky stuff at that time. Like, rock, we, yeah. What I mean, what were you what were you playing in there? You're like, playing a mixture of everything, just like, pa- a party cross genre party, yeah. like almost the now tapes, just like a mix of all the kind of popular stuff. Yeah, but with all stuff, and, and, like, you yeah. might you might bang out uh, Cindy Lauper or Daniel yeah. Buttercup into yeah. a Lannis set, lots of sing along stuff. Yeah. yeah, and that kind of helped for when I was do- like doomed. Party sets like that helped when I was doing like corporate events yeah. or the gigs that I always hated doing, which was weddings, because they're the I think respect to any wedding DJ because they are the hardest gigs in the world to do. Yeah, but it, it, it was good training ground for that. Um, so if I don't know Dublin that well, but for people who do know Dublin, what is Major Tom's now? Major Tom's is now Harry's on the Green. Okay, uh, they still have DJs. Um, the last time I passed I don't imagine they play at Lawrence Warren set no I, it was reggaeton <laughs> that was banging out okay. <laughs> is, it, is that and again excuse my name is that very popular is Harry's on the green still is it, is it take is it it's, just a, it's is actually it? getting there uh, like it, it's getting back to uh, well it's not getting back to where it was um, I don't think anywhere but that's a different time yeah. Yeah. but it's but it's a popular yeah it's a good spot, spot you know okay, it's cool. seven nights a week so like it's more it's a late bar more with music maybe at the weekends yeah. um, I think they they do uh, traditional Irish music session now I think on a Tuesday because they've just put a uh, a bronze statue outside of, of a, a famous Dublin musician called Luke Kelly okay and uh, they've taken advantage of that being there for all for the tourists, tourists. they're like yeah. hey right here there's there's music that Luke Kelly used to play Fair play you know Fair play, yeah. um, but that's up by the Stephen's Green area so, so you've been offered a, a, a new <coughs> radio show yeah so the the show was called uh, the funny farm, and um, and you left Atlantic Two Five Two. Was that a difficult decision? Um, well, I'd been there so long, okay, and it was just like I wasn't getting any 
my wage hadn't got to the stage of like, right, I'm comfortable now. Yeah. Um, I would like to move out of home. I was, I had rented a few places, but I'm like, geez, I still can't survive. So I was back at home and I, um, then moved in with, uh, two of the other DJs from Atlantis 252. So that was a lot easier. Uh, so I took this show. It was seven till 10 in the evening. It was a, it, it, it was, it was a fun show. It was like it was, was going to be your show, or were you joining something that already existed? It was an existing show, um, but I was able to put my own twist on it. Okay. So, um, where did it go from there? Yeah, it was, was, like that, was that like a four music years and was that music and kind of funny M- bits? Music it? competitions, it, literally like very short links, music, conscious, quick phone call, but you won, you, you won five euro uh, mobile phone credit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, was it quite hectic? Was it that kind of big breakfasty style? Like, yeah. Is it 90s, you know, everything's going 100 miles an hour and you get someone on the wood and you hang on and you play a record, like, does that kind of like, yeah, and we still style. weren't in automation at that time. We weren't using computers, we were still using Just CDs. Just so at the end of every hour, you'd have to go to the wall and, <laughs> <laughs> and have a playlist and of course everything was playlisted so you have to stick to that um, that was four years of that and uh, just before um, that finished up I got this when we got married and we I'd moved um, out of, we were oh yeah I'd moved in with my wife and we were living very close to the radio station and then we moved a little bit out to the suburbs near the coast and um, so I wasn't in like a Living next door, I'm in all day till I had to go on. And because I was away, I was only coming in for my shift. And there was the kind of sense of like, am I losing interest in this? Okay. Which wasn't the case at all. It's like, I'm living just like 45 minutes yeah. away. Uh, I got fired. Not because of that. There was like, there was various different political stuff going on. Political stuff and ratings. And yeah. the ratings were fine. But anyway, got fired. So I was like, what the hell am I going to do? Because that must be really difficult. I mean, I, I've never lived in that world, and thankfully I haven't been fired from a DJ. Find someone there. Anytime, <laughs> anytime recently, I mean, it could happen any minute. But, um, but, but I also I have known in the past, like, um, footballers, professional footballers, yeah. and I've also known actors and actresses and stuff. And it must be really difficult because it's not, and, and this is not to take anything away from anyone who does a job that is not DJing or radio presenting or anything else, but I imagine it might be a little bit difficult more, I imagine it might seem easier if you are trained in something like an electrician if you get sacked I feel like it must seem a little bit easier to apply for electrician based work that's because there's not enough electricians <laughs> yeah but I get but, what you're saying yeah, I'm trying to be super respectful here because I certainly don't think getting a job as an electrician is easy but no. I just imagine being sacked as a radio presenter at a relatively young age yeah. having just got married and moved must feel an apartment. Must must have felt really quite daunting. Oh yeah. Like, like is this just not me being a radio presenter anymore? Like mm. is this just the end of is that how you felt? Or did you instantly just think, no, I, I, I have connections, that doors will open. Yeah, no, I, I had connections. Like I had been offered shows okay. and other stations so that you I turned too down. worried about it at that point. I was worried, but I was sorry, right, I, I need to get this sorted. My wife okay. is still working full-time. She was working in the bank. She had a good job. I was still DJing in clubs, doing events. I was still making decent money. Uh, so I started freelancing. So uh, I touched base on different radio stations in the country, uh, sent off demos. and um, Can you do cover stuff? Like, did, you, did you do, like, you know, if someone had a week off? Or yeah. is, that always, is, that always, is that always done in-house, or were you doing bits and bobs like that? Does it work like supply teachers? But you just turn up yeah. and say... It's Stephen Covey here today. Well, yeah, that's what I did. It was like so, like I, I did some stuff on 
beat down in uh, Waterford. I did stuff with uh, Q102 in Dublin, and I did stuff with Red FM in Cork. Do you think that it helped that Ireland is was a relatively small country? Like you know, like yeah, because because even when you're just sort of naming stuff like that, all of that's quite touchable geographically. Like, mm. like you can drive to most of those places within what a couple. Now, oh yeah, now, from now, from now, Dublin now. to Waterford is two hours. Dublin to Cork three, uh, two and a half. Three I mean, hours. And I don't know about the you know maybe I'm totally wrong with the UK in, in England or whatever. Mm. But I feel like maybe if you it might not have been as simple if you lost your job at Metro in Newcastle. Maybe it might not have been like maybe that small community helped yeah. you be able to know a lot of people and move around. Oh, a hundred percent. And like and from doing those shifts in the different radio stations, you were able to build up more yeah. connections. Yeah. Um, I then um, was then offered, when I was doing cover shifts, I then got offered an afternoon show on Q102. Oh no, hang on a sec, where was I first? Sorry, no. I was offered uh, breakfast on Red FM in Cork. And I was just like, moving to Cork? Jesus. <laughs> I've just bought an apartment in Dublin. <laughs> yeah, for anyone listening in Cork, it's a beautiful place. Cork is, a, Cork is amazing. <laughs> You know, it said it. the people. It, it, no, it was the distance. I was like, I'm not moving to Cork. I'm like, my, my life is here. So, it and it's not. And you, the thing is, you can't even. I mean, you, I've had an impression of it before, and you told me what time you get to work normally now for your yeah. breakfast show. So it's not even like you could even really commute to it. You'd have been leaving at two thirty in the morning. Oh no, sorry, I did commute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I used to drive down every morning. I would get up at half two, leave at three, and be on air in Cork for six a.m. How long did you do that for? Um, I think it was nine months. And the reason I knocked it on the head was because I got offered an afternoon show in Dublin on Q102. Uh, so I was then thinking maybe I could do both. Because it could be back in Dublin. They were like, no, you'll die. You'll die of exhaustion. I, I think that's also another interesting thing to raise. I mean, my, my sleep pattern is, it is all over the place. and mm. It has been for years. So I, I'll, I'll go through, and you all know this, but I'll t- come back to the, the breakfast show thing. Like, you know, I'll go through the, the weekend and do gigs, or if I'm travelling even further afield, and that's completely wrecks things as well. And then, you know, I might get a 10 hours sleep on like a Tuesday night through to Wednesday morning. But then, you know, but then that really affects your relationships with, you know, family, yeah. children, and you know, so doing that breakfast show must have been really difficult. If you it was tough because, like, we were only newly married, and like, we wanted to try for kids and stuff. So that was having a huge effect on that. And to have the sort of dedication to you, know, you must have been going to bed at like eight o'clock at night, six o'clock at night, almost to be able to get this required sleep to oh, yeah. get up. And you know, because not like you just—that's the other thing. I mean, DJing in a club is different from being on air mm. in a sense that, but you know, other jobs. Again, you can sort of you can pitch up and get through it, but you not that easy. I imagine to pitch up and get through a breakfast show if you haven't yeah. had very much sleep. You really need to conserve your energy. Yeah, <laughs> for every time you open your microphone up. Um, but yeah, like getting the show back in Dublin again was was you know that was amazing. Um, unfortunately, the music I was playing just was not like at the time. Q uh, Two was like seventies, eighties, nineties. Okay. Um, very light, easy listening music, and it wasn't my cup of tea. Um, I then got approached by 98FM, where I am now, uh, to do some cover shifts. And I'm like, yeah, I'm up for that. I did one cover shift, and it was a St. Patrick's weekend. 
and they wanted to meet me the the Tuesday afterwards. It was a Sunday, so they wanted to meet me the Tuesday. I'm like, yeah, good. So I met them, and they literally sat there in the cafe, and they went, "We wanted to do the afternoon show, the same time that you're on Q102, uh, but it's it's one till four now." There was a gap of about a year uh, of me freelancing again between Q102 and that. And um, so they were able to put me straight on air. Otherwise, they like to have a distance between uh, presenters uh, going from one station to another at the same time. It's like the gardening leave type thing. So they literally pushed a piece of paper in front of me with a figure. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. And uh, I was there for four years. Uh, doing the afternoon show, very happy. Uh, then the recession kicked in, and there was people's jobs going left, right, and centre. There was sales going, and I was last in, so I was first out. Okay. So they extended some of the shows. So like one show, which might have been three yeah. hours, was now five hours yeah. and stuff. So I was then. I was like, "What the hell am I going to do now?" We're in a recession, and I, I, we moved house, and we just bought a bigger house. And I was like, "Oh Jesus Christ, my world's falling down around me." Are you still doing gigs? Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, how many sort of when while you're doing these radio shows, how many gigs a night are you are you sometimes doing? I mean, you can't do a gig on a night time doing a breakfast show, right? Like so. With bre- yeah, with breakfast, <coughs> uh, you can you can like so. I have a gig uh, next Thursday. Actually, two gigs next Thursday. One is early. It's like it's an early show. Uh, I'm like literally doing music for a charity fashion show. Yeah, but it's in Facebook headquarters, so that's kind of cool. Nice. And then we've a radio station thing on later on that night, which I'm DJing at the after party. So they're the ones putting me there DJing late. Yeah. Um, we've the best of Dublin awards, and I'm playing at the after party. So like, you can do it. Uh, if you get sleep straight after the show okay you know once you get enough sleep but um but this level of income is is certainly this level of as a a club or bar DJ is certainly helping you in the periods potentially when you're not getting as much work on there so like I I had built up a decent enough reputation of standing out as a DJ in clubs with music choice mixing style and just having a good time in the club. So I was getting good bookings around the country. Is that quite rare? Like, because I don't know, in in my small world, but I don't know anyone that's on local radio who gets, who's a good, (laughs) I'll be careful my words here. I don't know anyone in my, in my, in in my area, in the northeast. I'm not currently aware of anyone and have not been for almost 10 years. Now, there might be a rock guy that I can think of who, yeah. who, who, did, who did a rock club and also did like a sort of a rock radio show. Mm. But I can't really think of anyone um, in my local area who translates from radio to, to nightclubs and bars. It's, it's rare enough. Yeah, I think it is. And, and even, when I think of, even when I think of more national stuff in the UK mm. obviously the Radio 1 thing seems to just be a stamp of authority to make money you know so like Danny Howard and yeah. you can go back through the, through, through the time of Radio 1 however if you're not on Radio 1 and I, I was you know quite friendly with like Steve Smart who does a lot of like yeah. um, Kiss stuff now, he doesn't get anywhere near the same sort of bookings that Danny Howard would get or Kissy Sellout would have got um, and it's funny that it's, it, it's just interesting because as you were talking about it I was thinking I'm not really aware of anyone in the, in the North East over the last 10 years who's translated and, and especially when you're not doing especially at that point as you've been saying you weren't doing specialist 
club you know sometimes you were just playing well, 60s and 70s yeah on an the beginning yeah and then going out and doing club shows in the night time yeah. very different music so that you know you must have been a very you know you must have that talent and ability as a, as a club DJ to hold your own I think practice in your bedroom <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, like it literally still like during all of that period it was out it was in clubs I had holding that side of things yeah like I was I had reduced the amount of corporate work so like doing you know events for like some companies having a Christmas party those type of things like yeah big payers big money payers yeah um, my mate's a comedian tells the same story <laughs> he's like don't cut corporate gigs now <laughs> yeah hate them but they are big payers uh, so I kind of knocked that on the head and I tried to even like for big paying gigs that you'd want to because you have to make a living even though it's a passion yeah um, you have to make a living from it you know you have a wife you have two kids you've got a house you have to pay for it all. It just doesn't get given to you. Um, so, like, you would do the other type of corporate gigs, so, like, product launches. Yeah. And, like, things that, you know... Yeah, product launches. And I think, see, <laughs> and I think, see, like, so those gigs that you talk about there, they are not the sort of gigs I've ever really been offered. Yeah. And I think they... And I could be wrong, but I think they come to you because of that connection to radio and that personality, yes. maybe, and that and that ability to also speak on a microphone, yeah. and present things, and um, so that's really interesting. So, like with the likes of product launches, you then get uh, opportunities to play with different bands and bigger DJs. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite gigs that I ever did was for uh, Budweiser launched an app. It, it was Budweiser, wasn't it? They, they launched an app and if it was over 20 degrees in the summer in Ireland you got a free pint <laughs> <laughs> good good yeah dude was it was it Budweiser at this party I'm sure yeah, I'm sorry if it's not but for the launch uh, it was me DJ Wire an example oh. and Calvin Harris amazing the three of us playing in a bar in Dublin. Mate. Now, this is before Calvin Harris became yeah, absolutely I was, I was gorgeous. Gonna, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was going to imagine that was a few years ago. Um, he would have had two albums out at that stage. Like, it was still big books. Wow. Um, but, yeah, but, like, corporate stuff like that, amazing. Like, like I, I would have done quite a lot of it. Uh, are they Samsung official tie-ins with the radio no nothing not to do that's right, literally okay. just from reputation and connections great it's like yeah. I was uh, I did every Samsung product launch for the last four or five years as well um, did they give you a free one no yeah. they didn't <laughs> I'm like, you'd, you'd hint you'd sit there going do you know my iPhone they look great <laughs> <laughs> this piece of rubbish <laughs> no unfortunately not um, <laughs> but it's so funny like Samsung wanted me to uh, there was one gig that we were doing and they wanted me to use their technology to DJ and I'm like alright how are we going to do this and I think technology to DJ uh, so at the time I think I think uh, was it Tractor had released uh, oh, some sort of like Samsung app or something it was an app yeah was it on the Tractor or was it no, it was yeah, it was a record box app. Okay. So to have the music on the yeah their Samsung tablet yeah. and have it linked yeah wirelessly using the CDJ Nexus. And what could possibly go wrong? It all went wrong. <laughs> so I, I I was literally given two tablets and they're like go set it up and a week of 
it, this being brand new technology and it not working, I was just like, you know, it's not going to work. So how about I just put the tablet up beside me <laughs> and pretend. pretend. Uh, like now you could do it. You could literally DJ off, you know, you could have a tablet there or just a phone there. So recently... Uh, I've seen that new little Denon, is it a Denon DDJ 200? I've definitely mm, got that wrong. 200, but it's yeah. like tiny and it you is. can connect it with you. I mean, that looks oh, great. Sure. There was the, the, the guy who did a full boiler room set on an iPhone. Oh, I'd say that. Oh my God. You know, full credit to him getting away doing it. But yeah. like, boiler room is meant to be... Um, a display. It's meant to be showing the skills of somebody using equipment, whether they're using MIDI controller when you're just sitting here on your phone. It, it just looks like looking at a teenager that's just trying to it's, talk I mean, to... It's, it's, it's a super interesting conversation that you know, I could talk about you know, for hours on its own, like the, the technicality of DJing and, and what, what, you know, what is a DJ? Is a DJ a record selector? Is a DJ there as an, as, as an educator? Is a DJ there as a technical person to entertain with their skill? And like... I think my, you know, obviously we've all, whether we've been part of it or just read them, seen the kind of Facebook threads and rants about, you know, vinyl this, CDJ, that, sync button, the other. And I kind of, you know, I think I have never quite, I'm, I'm quite happy with anyone who has the passion and ability and who wants to make people dance. You know, you kind of came back on it before. Yeah. And I, and I don't think I've ever lost that, that in, in a, just feeling that I want to see someone having a good time by the music that I'm playing. Yeah. Um, and, and that that's the same, whether it's, you know, a big gig, like a warm-up show, a digital or a, a main room for digital or whatever, I'm just doing it. Someone's like an after party, I'm just in the corner and there's six people there. I just want to see someone's head go up and go, oh, I love this track. Yeah. Like, oh, I love this record. And I, so I think what I'm getting at is, within reason... I'm not sure I really care how they do it. So, although I could be, you know, although I could go, oh, look, this is how I DJ technically, and I think technically I have some good skills. Mm. At the same time, if someone is at a house party on a phone and people are enjoying it, I'm like, eh. do you know what I mean? Like, now I get your point, and yeah. I, I agree with it, and, and especially by the room, the way it's filmed there. Yeah. Else. But, yeah, it's interesting, and I think you bring a whole another aspect to the DJ thing, which is that, the radio and the on-air personality, which is mm. something that I've never really had to, to think about. Obviously, I've, I've done a podcast previous to this, like an extra show uh, I like to present, but I, was, I wasn't, you know, wasn't a radio DJ like yourself. But, I mean, where do you, where were you, like, over all the years that you've, you've done it and you're still doing it now, where do you, I guess, stand on that? That is it skill? Is it record selection? Is it entertaining the crowd? Is it being visual? Is it being... What, 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 or where do you sit, do you think? Where do you feel comfortable in that? I think it's a mixture of it all. Like, um, like if you can entertain your crowd, if you can be, if you can stand out and turn their heads and they can, you know, be entertained and get some enjoyment out of the music that you've chosen for them yeah. and even play the music that they love, if you're able to, like, reading a crowd is a Fucking, it, it's a skill in itself. Yeah. And I don't know, can you learn it? Is it something that's natural or is it, you know, it probably is something that you learn over time. But there's a, there's a great irony, and I think it's why I asked that question, which has occurred to me, in that you are obviously a very successful club and bar DJ, mm. an event DJ. However, you may have spent, and you know, I could be wrong here, but you may have spent the vast majority of your professional on air time not choosing the music yeah <laughs> which is a, yeah. a really interesting kind of juxtaposition mm. in the sense that you've obviously learned how to read a room and 
pick the right records. But even like you said before, you've done shows that you didn't even maybe like on not like maybe, oh no yeah no I've done some radio shows where it's just like oh my god I used to listen to house music during the show yeah so I would actually be in a different state of mind to sound like I'm enjoying the who, music who who playlists radio shows some demon uh, the uh, they have music uh, directors and it's always been the same always things change now with algorithms and everything like but when you when you so you're at Atlantic 252 right yeah. when you were doing overnight at Atlantic 252 yeah was it still playlist so you still had no yeah, choice yeah 100% playlist so was it there was just a guy in an office a man or a woman yeah choosing that and you would get like did you speak to them did they speak to you did yeah, they, yeah you'd, you'd chat to them and you'd, but you you could influence oh you'd, you'd ask <laughs> <laughs> Like with the, with our, our show at the moment, um, the breakfast, the big breakfast on ninety eight, um, we do have a small bit of freedom with some choices, but it, it's so heavily researched. Like there's research market, yeah. sorry, music research done uh, nearly weekly to see how how much do you love the song? Do you hate the song? How would you mark it out of ten? Like do you love it? Do you hate it? And they go through the playlist, and if it's hated. Fucked out, you know. Um, but we do have some freedom. So, like, if we're doing a special story and we're talking about something, and we find a song that relates to the story, we can do that. Yeah. Um. So besides that, yeah, it's no freedom unless you're doing special shows. Yeah. You know where you can just play what you want. You know. So like, I I had my club collection show, which ran for Jesus, it must have been eight years. And, so what uh, station was that on? That was on ninety eight FM. Then it was on Spin. And then it was on iRadio, and then it was back on 98FM again. But so d- did you create that kind of brand? Or was yeah. It, right. Yeah. And, and, and did you go to, do you remember that point when you went to someone in a meeting and said, I've got this idea, I want to do this show, yeah. but I want to be able to program the music? And, and, and was, that, was that a difficult thing to get over at the time? Or Yeah, they were like, well, can we hear a demo? So I had to do a full show demo, and they sat down, they listened to it, and they're like, Okay, so it's, I think it was, it was a three-hour show initially, and they watched to run it for six hours. So what we would, do, so they run it, uh, like, sat, run on a Friday night till midnight, and then the week, they would repeat last week's, the music from it. Yeah, they would repeat it, they'd swap it around, so okay. they would play the, the, I'd only ever have to do three new hours, because they would repeat the first three hours from the week before, because it's a different audience. Yeah. God, that's hard to try. <laughs> yeah, they repeat the uh, the first three hours the second week in the la- in the last three hours. So it was a six hour show, and it did really well. We podcasted as well, and it was it was this is before podcasts became what they are now. Yeah. And um, it it was number one on, on music was number one in entertainment. Uh, and did, thankfully not comedy did that change the bookings that you were getting like over that course of that eight oh, years yeah. like, did that massively change hugely yeah yeah because like you were getting bookings from uh, around the country then because you know it, it, I was just in Dublin yeah uh, the only gigs I was doing outside Dublin was the corporate stuff yeah so with that you were getting you know you were getting the attention of people from around the country who would then get talking and would then talk to promoters and would then get you bookings gradually um, I think the sounds like somebody's hammer next door the um, the gigs around the countryside uh, 
got bigger when I joined a radio station called iRadio. Okay. Because they, they broadcast to half the country. It's kind of semi-national. Okay. I think it's the 16 counties they're broadcasting. Okay. Is it still going now? Oh, yeah, okay. it's still going. Uh, I was there before I went back to 98FM doing breakfast. And um, it was literally two and a half years. And then I got poached back to 98. Um, but, like, the gigs, like, it was a new world for me. Uh, DJing in clubs that I'd never even heard of around yeah. the country. And it was fantastic. But since I left there, they're like, oh, he's gone. And they have just slowly but surely faded off. So I'm just back now on, yeah. the, on the East Coast. And that's, and that's the same. But, I mean, you know, you, you look at some of the people that were that were on Radio 1, you know, the, like the kind of like Kissy Sellout or, um, you know, and, 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 and those those guys, once they left Radio 1, you know, the, 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 gigs, yeah. the gigs change. I'm not saying they've completely disappeared, but they've yeah. certainly changed. So I, have, I think I have certainly two questions about, about both facets of your career. How... Um, how has the on-air side of the business, you know, how has the on-air side of things changed in the course of your career? Like, you know, is it, I mean, for some, for me anyway, the sort of that Atlantic 252 thing was like almost a golden generation of radio. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in a certain age, I'm sure there was golden generations before that. Yeah. But radio at that time felt super exciting, it was. super influential. It's a lot more laid back. You don't sound like Smashy and Nicey anymore. Yeah. I don't have to. Did you have to really hype yourself up yeah, for like a huge amount? Listen of... back to myself. I'm like, that's not me. Why am I putting this accent on? It's <laughs> mid Atlantic, half English accent I'm putting on with the. Really? Yeah. They, because when I first joined, they were like, you can't sound too Irish because, you know, we're broadcasting over there now. The lads across the pond, they wouldn't be too fond of you now. <laughs> <laughs> so. Like I had to sound like just weird and jockey and stuff like they play it like sound like him. Okay. And that gradually changed and now, um like even up until a few years ago, like it would have been quite jockey but with my own voice more projected. Uh it got shouty at one stage. Right. It's a song <laughs> you know, and that's now calmed down to like us just having a conversation here, having some fun and uh, And was it because we and I asked you on the way here after you very kindly picked me up from Dublin Airport, yeah, right. where 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 it is now. Like obviously clubs. I mean, we'll come on to clubs, but um, but the radio because I was talking about Spotify, YouTube, and else. Like in, obviously, you mentioned the recession. Yeah, like, is do you feel like it's come out of a dip? Is it is it at the top of what do you think the next few years hold? Is it going to keep getting more listeners? Is it sort of plateaus? Are you worried about it again? Like where do you sort of see? I mean, I don't mean specialist radio. I mean just you know radio in general here. Well, radio's changed as in like because of social media. You need to like while you're on air, we're literally streaming live on Instagram. We're yeah. streaming live on Facebook. We're tweeting. We're putting up posts. We're doing little quick videos. Has that helped? Like, did that get you? Did that get radio more relevant again than you know? I think so. Because I never thought about like that before. Mm. And actually, weirdly, now I think about it, that may have helped get it back a bit. Because I think I definitely drifted away from listening to, you know, there was there was a point, um, and I remember it. I think it was probably at uni, and it was like if I couldn't listen to like Danny Ramplin or Pete Tong or whatever, I would tape it. And then I would right. listen to it again on the tape, you know what I mean? And it was like, because that's where your records were broke. Like, you you know, if you heard something on there, you ain't going to hear it anywhere else. It was that I'll go to a record shop. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And, and obviously we're talking about specialty stuff now. But even with even with pop records, um, they were 
they were broken by radio. Mm. I'm not sure that's the case no, any, they, anymore. Uh, like, if you were to look at um, the top 50 songs that are streamed on Spotify, you wouldn't even dream of playing half of them on radio because, one, they're not going to suit the audience that you're targeting. Yeah. Spotify uh, is taking the most plays from uh, the younger kids who are listening to just the weirdest, obscurest music that they're, they're exploring music. It's like crate digging back in the days. Yeah. They're literally going into playlists and finding things, they're telling their friends about them, they're sharing it. And that's what's getting uh, all of this weird genres of music that is coming into our lives. But radio uh, is never, well, at the moment, I never say never, radio... It can't be that scattergun though, can it? Really? No, it can't. It, it has, can't it has be to that have, broad. It has to have a format. Yeah. You know, and you... Radio, you should never, ever give somebody a reason to switch the radio off. So if you're going to play something that's going to be... How does that to me all the time? I'm fine. But also a really interesting point, which which I'd like to you know, be interested in your point of view on it, is that Spotify not only... Not only has Spotify changed the way that some people um, consume music, yeah. Also, vastly changed the way that some people write and produce music, um, and you know I'm not a, a Spotify expert, um, so go and do some of your own research. But I know that there are certain algorithms involved in Spotify, whereas if you don't listen to a certain amount of the record, it pushes it up and down in certain lists. And, you know, so it's, you basically it's, it's you want people to listen to your entire record. Yeah. Um, so and also producers and, and labels are now very aware of how important Spotify is. So you may notice, and you all know from playing on the radio, a lot of records have got shorter. Oh, that's shorter. Um, and even dance records now, like spinning little power on extended mix of something, and it'll be 339. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's like Spotify has changed the way that people produce music as well as the way that they consume mm. it. Um, and it, I, th- I suppose that's maybe attention spans. And- it's essentially like it's it, music has turned out so quickly. They're they are seeing what is the trend. It's yeah. like a lot of the music that uh, that has come out has been influenced by a video game, yeah, which is Fortnite, yeah, you know, and then that music gets put on Fortnite. Um, and it, you're right, it, the the length of songs. Sometimes it's great if you need to only uh, if you're short for time or if you're overtime on a radio show, just like I need a short song. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, like Famous, we all know this, this Blur song too. Because uh, it's only two minutes long, you're yeah. just like, oh, I need to fill two minutes. I'm like, oh, I'll put Blur song two minutes. Has radio become, has, has commercial, well, when I say commercial radio, I, I include the BBC in this, but I mean, like, you know, non specialist, has daytime radio, has it become more. Like specialized, like has it has it had to narrow its audiences to stay relevant, or has it had to become broader to try and include more people? I think you need to include more. Right. You, you can't, you can't, like for a commercial radio station, you can't be too specialized. You can have it for special shows, uh, the evenings at the weekends. Uh, but if you need to have whether it's somebody living or working it from home, or somebody who's driving in a van, or somebody's painting a room somewhere. Yeah. You have to think of everybody in their, their situations and uh, you have to be able to cater to them. And if, if you're too specialised and too narrow-minded, you're not going to get that audience. So, and where do you see radio, and we've got the clubs in a, in a minute, where do you see radio going again? Like, do you feel like it's at a, it's, it's a peak now? Is it, is it losing numbers? It's not at a peak, but it's, 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 it, I think it's on a steady climb. That's good. And I do, I do think, and I'm not you know, an expert in 
I'm just sure there's really interesting about you. I think that social side of it that you mentioned mm. has helped it because I, I might not listen to your, I and mean, I probably can't, I probably can due to that yeah. thing, but I'm aware of what you're doing on your breakfast show because of social media. Yeah. Whereas I wouldn't have even been aware, you know, I might have known you did a breakfast show, but now I'm like, oh wow, I can watch this video or I can see this link or you'll repost the best bit of something. And, yeah. You know, well, like every day we podcast the show. Yeah. No, we used to, we've changed the way we podcasted. We used to just podcast the entire show and are you allowed to do that with the music well we take the music out right so I used to it's me doing it so I used to cut the tracks cut them I'll do it oh no that's it yes so what we do now we literally and it used to be 45 minutes long yeah so like a three hour show down to 45 minutes yeah right okay we do keep our we keep our links quite short because we don't want to talk too much and people like to have music in the morning so we'll give them a little bit of fun and entertainment and then straight we get into yeah. the music so we've taken the podcast to so we'll do a quick intro kind of as it go what's coming up so we'll, yeah we we'll take three or four uh, bits from the show that we thought that is fun and it's podcast worthy yeah and uh, we've shortened it down to like 15 minutes cool. sometimes 10 minutes Which is a really good little hit of- yeah and like um I think we get a bit bigger and better reaction from that as well. And because because I, I do it, and I'm aware that these podcasts are long, but they are for, they are for the reason that they are long. But I do that sometimes. It's a podcast that I know, like I look at a Joe Rogan one, I'm like two and a half hours, I'm like right, okay, uh, that's a time I'm going to need for that. Then there's other ones I look at, like there's a uh, I think there's a Guardian one I look at, to, and it's normally twenty minutes. And I'm yeah. oh, like, cool, that's a bush journey, that's a little bike ride, that's just walking the dog, like, and and so I think those those hits yeah. are really important. Yeah, you, I used to well like. It's on the shelf at the moment because of uh, everybody's schedule, but I do another podcast called The Engine Room. Okay. And um, so uh, there's a motoring journalist, yeah, uh, Dave Humphreys. There's a motoring enthusiast, Dave Moore, and me, I own a car. Well, you could be presenting Top Gear. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it, yeah, it, it's a, it, but we, we, cool. used to, we used to do them really long and they were like, oh, we need to condense these. So we got them down to 20 minutes. And we get all the information from that we need in that in that space of time because if you, if you make it interesting enough and if pe- and if people think it's too short they'll be like I want more they'll come back for more yeah you know? I, mean, I think it, it helped with there's been a couple of you know I suppose in, in UK radio terms over the past decade or so there's been a couple of big movements hasn't there like the Chris Evans thing and I guess the um, there, there was a big move with the breakfast uh, the, was it the what was the network that have just they put up their one breakfast show across the entire network. Oh, is that the is that the, the yeah is that the Bauer or something? Or yeah. yeah. But but um, I was talking about like movement as as in people. Right. And then um, so who's the guy that used to do the breakfast show after Chris Evans, uh, Miles? Yeah. So he went. Did he go to Radio X or something? But my point is, is the social media thing, which is that so they will just they'll take a bit of you know they might have a Liam Gallagher in with him and they'll, and but they'll, they'll like you say that it's been it's been shown live. Then they take the best bit of it, they put it on social media, and then suddenly I'm going. Oh, he's Chris Miles on the radio. Yeah. Oh, I'll check it out. Like, whereas you know, so I do think weirdly that social media has helped, um, you know, has helped radio, and because it reminds me of things. Yeah. Um, and I certainly, I downloaded the the Virgin app. I'd never had it before, just to listen to some of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show. And because it's on my phone now, if I'm, you know, I'll just stick it on occasionally and, you know, put it on a Sunday afternoon or whatever. So it, it's definitely that side of that social media is definitely, has definitely moved things on. Yeah. So and I think the accessibility to listen to it from anywhere is... Yeah, I mean, I suppose yeah. digital radio is something that we haven't really, really, really talked about. I mean, there's certain shows, obviously Virgin, I think, is only digital in the UK. 
I'd say. Is it only digital? I think it's... I don't... Well, I maybe don't know enough then. I didn't think I could listen to Chris Evans on FM where I live, but I could be wrong. I don't know. See, we... we have, you, have you got any... So have you got any digital-only stations? There in, in, are some. Um, RTE have um, some digital stations like Pulse and X... 2XM, Pulse. Um, and are they specialist to music genres or...? Yeah, Pulse would be, you know, dance and R&B driven. Um, I, don't, I think there's a couple, I think Gold, RT Gold, okay. which is old stuff, Yeah, obviously. Um, but uh, digital hasn't taken off over here at all. I mean, I don't know if it's taken off in, 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 in the UK. I mean, I have, I have a digital radio that came in my car, so that's great. Oh, nice. And because I sometimes, like I said to you, listen to a lot of, listen to speech radio, listen to Five Lives, so to have that digital is, is just great. Mm. When you've had it crackling on, on, on medium wave for years. Um, yeah, see, I thought Virgin was on AM. Oh, it maybe is. And I yeah. just, because I don't even think now to even, I don't even think to look at AM anymore. But, but could you imagine the cost of running... And I am, like, the, the cost of running when we were in the Galaxy 252, that transmitter, alone, the electricity was nearly really? around a day just wow. for the transmitter. Like, it was insane. Do you, I was going to ask you this before. What happened? Like, do you know what happened at the end of it? Like, yeah, I got bought by... Like, who bought it? Somebody bought it. And did they buy it when it was still kind of at the peak of its powers? Or had, yeah, it, really, had, it, had it really got hit really hard when all the regional stations, like the Galaxy Network, opened up? Okay. And they went, oh, we're going to do it on lovely FM. So when you have this stereo FM and, sound... And, and, and anything in any industry, but especially the entertainment industry, when something does really well, everyone just goes, all right, great, we'll do what you're doing but we'll localise it, we'll regionalise yeah. it, we'll make it more relevant, we'll put it on FM. So a lot of people took the format yeah. and repackaged it. Like it was work. so hard for us to be locally relevant. Yeah. You know? It was difficult. So to... someone bought it and yeah, then did, bought it just sort of fizzle out? Sports did it... talk company station. And did it just fizzle out? They, or just, did it... they just closed it. It was gone. It was such a loss. Like, such a shame because I think... It There's was, never been any talk about bringing it back, or like, because it feels like it. Yeah. Like, See, the license is now gone. So, who the people who right. own, sorry, the license is still there. The people who own it, there was always a twenty percent holding by RTE. Okay. And they still have it, and they broadcast uh, on two five two long wave uh, radio one, uh, RTE radio one. Okay. So they broadcast. You know, you got your expats were in the UK and yes. in. Parts of Europe where they might pick bits of it up. Okay. Um, but the, I drive by the mast every day. At one stage, it was the biggest mast, like big aerial mast in so Europe. That, so that mast was getting it was getting a long wave signal to mm. the, pretty much most of the mainland UK. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, it depend and also depend on the atmosphere the and, the, <laughs> and the atmosphere pressure. Uh, you could, we used to get reception reports from the east coast east coast of America. That's mad. It was insane um, all the houses in the area uh, had to get special filter adapters for the televisions and telephones because you could hear the radio station coming through the TV that's how powerful a transmitter was that's I've, amazing I've been inside the actual transmitter you could there's a door on the transmitter not just the room yeah. there's two transmitters and you could walk inside them and it would be big valves which are big massive like, like holding a bulb which was about 
So you want to be a magician? That's magic. <laughs> <laughs> that's magic right there. Those two bulbs are reaching the east coast of the United States. Same. Yeah, that's that's magic. Yeah. Right. So let's bring it back to, to nightclubs. Yeah. Um, how how have how have I know you did a bit a bit of touring, but let's, let's maybe let's localize it to to Dublin. Yeah. How. How has Dublin changed since you were doing your first your first club and bar gigs? How has that changed to you know over the years to where you are now? Like, how do you feel it's changed? What was the you know we discussed we touched on the right venue before? Yeah. What's been high points? You know, at what point was it just at its peak? Where do you feel like it is now? Like, I think I think when I was resident in the right venue, uh, I was brought in first to do uh, their under regimes gigs. Okay, and um, straight away. After that first show, they were like, right, can we get you for the, you know, Fridays and Saturdays? And like, yeah. So we started on Fridays, then did the Saturday nights. And uh, any time that there was any of the international DJs playing, I was on support with them. Like, who the hell did we support? It's not even relevant, but like, it was massive. Like, the, the, the club was huge. You've been there. Yeah, like 3,000. Yeah. And um, it, it, it was just good. And then... Was it kind of central Dublin? No, it's no, it's near the airport. It's right, okay. Uh So it was a bit of a pain to get to. So at its peak was when it opened. Oh, was that early 2000s? Late 2000s? Oh, late 2000s. Because those, those kind of big out-of-town clubs were a thing in the kind yeah. of like, late, like sort of after the millennium, but later on those big, like even Luminaries have big, like in York, talked to PBH about it, yeah. big like icons and liquids and stuff that were outside. They had car parks. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And like, who's driving them? But, yeah, and they were big out of town town venues. Yeah, this is, so this is like one of the out of town ones, and um, it, it it didn't have a huge not it didn't have a huge effect on the clubs in the city. They were still doing really good trade. Uh, the population of the area that it was in, uh, Swords and Malahide and Port Marnock, uh, drew a big crowd, and it affected one of the nightclubs in Port Marnock, which was one of the oldest nightclubs in the country called Tamango, and uh, but they're still open. The right venues clubs now. Now, what has happened is that there's a there's a movement called Give Us the Night. Um, the the licensing laws in this country are ridiculous when it comes to bars in the city centre are literally open till nightclub hours. Yeah. So you're in a bar, you have a great time. You'd usually get chucked out about half twelve, one o'clock. Okay. And then be like, right, oh, more. Let's go to a nightclub till three or four o'clock yeah. in the morning. What's happening now is. The bars are open until three or four o'clock in the morning, yeah. and uh, who wants to leave that when you need to pay to go into yeah, a nightclub? Yeah, you know, like um, like my Friday night residency in Temple Bar in uh, Club M is one of the biggest sufferers of this because even the closest bar, which is open to the same time as the club, is owned by the same people. And it's like, oh, your head is banging up against the wall. Yeah. There are some bars and sorry, there are some clubs that do very very well. Uh, the likes of um, Proper Face Jacks, which is one of the only nightclubs in the country, which is open seven nights a week. Um, they're now Proper Face Jacks wouldn't be like a dance club. It's literally, yeah, but it's, it's five mega mix. Yeah, it's the ABBA mega mix, Bewitched, yeah. and a couple of dance tracks, and it, like it's the cheesiest place ever. But Dublin also, also nightlife wise has a, t- a level of tourism. Yeah, so like where, I, where I'm playing with them is, yeah. is tourists. So like, the, it's very hard to build up a loyal crowd when they, they're, they're never going to come back again. Yeah. 
you know so like one night you might have like 15 guys who've come over from America on a golf trip yeah. uh, mixed with uh, but does that mean you're musically very different every week <laughs> yeah <laughs> you literally have to arrive with all your USB keys going yeah. what way is this going to go today yeah. Yeah. you know yeah um, that's uh, that reading the crowd thing that we thought yeah and it's and also like because they're international uh, crowd essentially so it's like playing abroad yeah so like and it's it's good to keep you on your toes and keep you in practice because if you see they're leaving the dance floor, you're like, I need you back. Yeah. You've got to get that fish around and get them back again. Um, is it a tourist season in Dublin? Or is it, do you just... It's, it's, it's all year round. It's just total, yeah. total, total, Because yeah. you have your summer, which is just every country gets the summer season. Uh, then you've got, uh, coming up to springtime, you've got St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So you've... Americans, a lot of Americans coming over, and then you've uh, Easter, which kind of falls near around there. So yeah. the spring breakers, um, then you've got Christmas. The, like Dublin, the Christmas is absolutely beautiful. Like the the lighting and the effort that goes into that is fantastic. And is there two universities in, in Dublin? There is uh, Trinity, UCD, DCU. Um, so do you feel? I mean, like. Do you feel a big student like kind of population? Yeah, yeah there is like they, they they do an awful lot of student nights and like in, in various different venues. Um, uh, but they're not as mad and big as they used to be. No, yeah. uh, I used to run a student night in a club called Fireworks. Uh, Fireworks has three levels, and uh, we we called it Eeyore after the TV show. And uh, our promo staff wore. PVC nurses' outfits, obviously. Yeah, and uh, you know we we used to have a band at the start. You know we we get a band who would want to promote their new music. They play for free. It was great. Yeah, and um, we get guest DJs in. We even had Curly from Carnation Street make an appearance. Yeah, his ba- his band played. There you go. Um, and that was a big student night, but that was just another night that that has closed down. Um, like we've lost the right venue. They're reopening again, but it's more of a hangout venue with club and concert and events on um, I think they're due to open at the end of the month um, but we've lost a lot of clubs Club 92 is gone uh, which is out in Leopardstown Racecourse in the south of Dublin it was one of the oldest clubs in the has that been redeveloped? Was it just sitting empty? Uh, no it was doing fine I think they're, they're because it's in a race course. I think they're knocking that stand, yeah. so it had to close. Yeah, because that's what's happened to a, a lot of nightclubs. Yeah, they've been the, the the real estate in which they possess was more valuable being something else. Um, you know, I've had that conversation with lots of people. I know it. I know it in my city. I know it in other cities. And you know, obviously, nightlife has decreased. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. If, I mean, I, I was talking about that. I, I did those stupid nights. You know, where you had like, you know, we had Pat Sharp from. Fun house with yeah. twins. And, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I, I did all sorts of stuff. We had like I remember doing a, a student night with my mate Mike, and we had one of the guys from we bought like the in betweeners Kai, like the, um, painted it yellow, and like wow. and we gave it away. It's a great story because we gave it away, and we had one of the in betweeners there. I forget which one now, but it's a great story because the kid who won probably it, Jay, that <laughs> was Jay, yeah. and the kid we, the kid who won it, it was really funny because the kid who won the car lived in Scotland. It was right at the end of the term. And he basically drove it back to Edinburgh, um, 
parked it illegally as it turned out and then just left it but the guy who the promoter who ran the event had forgot to change because he had obviously when he bought the car he registered to himself yeah. so he had like 600 pounds of the because he'd never changed the ownership of the car but yeah no it's interesting because those, those nights definitely definitely don't those sort of big silly yeah. fancy dress almost games on the microphone student nights mm. I mean, they have been, I would say, entirely expunged in, in Newcastle. I don't know. I don't know of yeah, one night like that that exists. I don't know any of them that go on anymore. And I don't know why that is, really. I mean, there's obviously, you know, there's fashion, there's, there's things that come in and out. But, you, you know, you would kind of guess that 16, 17, 18-year-olds would always want to be up to daft things. But but then, you know, Tinder's changed things. You, know, you don't have to go yeah. to nightclubs to meet anyone anymore. Uh, I think a lot of kids are in, uh, you know, a lot of younger people are in eating, like, eating in restaurants and kind of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it is interesting, and but yeah, a lot of clubs have definitely been redeveloped. Be interesting to see what you think about. Uh, I, I don't know whether it's a real story or not, but I think it was Ministry of Sound who uh, have said no phones on the dance floor now. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's an interesting one. Like. Um, Funnily enough, and you, you you see the pictures, and you all have probably seen it as, as a DJ. It you see it from both sides. Like I've obviously been at a gig, right, and people are, like got their phones out. Maybe I haven't been at as many DJ gigs like this, but I've definitely been at bandy gigs or whatever. Yeah, and it's kind of irritating because you like you're trying to watch the gig, and all you can see is the gig on phones in front of you, mm-hmm. and you're kind of thinking like, a there's probably going to be someone with a better phone than you you are a camera taking a video of this like, yeah. so you'd be fine like if you want a video of this you can probably get it tomorrow now obviously it's the, it's the generation of one to post it but it, I have to say from the converse it does look super cool when like half the crowd have got the phones up and the lights out like, yeah. and you see those pictures and I mean who was it the other week we had an example on at the club a couple of weeks ago and you know sort of he comes out and you literally see all the kind of phones go yeah. and weirdly it kind of from that point of view it weirdly yeah, looks from that point of view it does look cool yeah yeah um, so yeah I don't know but I think, I think it's more of the case of uh, put your phone away stop taking bloody selfies yeah which I think I think it, you know it, it's going to be interesting and, you know even without getting onto you know much broader topics the whole like the whole um Jeremy Cowell thing and that is at mm. the TV and, and, and obviously there's been touched in, in my area and very sadly a, a girl that sort of I was aware of in the North East who was on Love Island and sort of taking her own yeah. life and things and so maybe things you know maybe things will change in the future maybe that Instagram thing will change maybe the need for likes and affirmation will change I mean, I mean good luck to Ministry of enforcing that but I don't know if I owned a nightclub would I try and enforce it I don't know I don't know how much we and, and you all know this as a DJ both on air and in the club I'm never quite sure how much we are reflecting what the audience desires or how much we are leading them in a, in a way of which they want to be led or, or, or may, may follow you. Uh, and so I don't know if by banning phones, people will go, oh, right, oh phones are banned. I, I don't yeah. know if by telling people they shouldn't have phones on their dance floor, it will stop them having them. Yeah. Or, or you know, because, because what we've also done as nightclubs, I guess, in, in the last... But maybe because of what you touched on as well, which is, and I was definitely part of this conversation five, six years ago in Newcastle when we were saying, all right, well, bars are now open to the same night, like late night as we are, mm-hmm. basically by a half an hour, or give or take. Um, so we're going to have to provide something which can't be provided in bars. You know, and obviously with, with digital or with the Academy O2, we were going, right, well, we need to actually put on shows we need to we need to put on a level of entertainment which yeah. can only be provided in this kind of venue you know so whether that was better lights better screens um you know whether it be dancers whether it be performers pas 
Uh, Do you ever wonder uh, when you're DJing in a club how, and like, you know, it's, oh, oh, look at all these new lights we got in. Does the person who goes to the club actually care? Do you reckon, or do they care that they're just getting a late drink and a bop with their mates? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it, I, I, I don't know is the answer, but I think the only answer that we had when we discussed it a lot was, but it's got to at least look and feel different to the bar that they can stand in. Like, have you had ever had more fun in a club with the most amazing sound and lighting system and LED walls uh, compared to maybe a, um, a basement club where yeah, there's no lights? Yeah, no, definitely no not. Yeah, with no lights. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say it definitely. I'd probably have had more fun where there's been no lights. Yeah, it, it, I mean, having, <laughs> having said that, the difference that lights can make to the energy in a room oh, 100%, and is phenomenal. Especially a big room. Yeah, it's, 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 like, it's, it's a different case in a, in a basement club, but like yeah. in, a, in a big room, a, a, like credit is due to uh, a good lighting. Like, oh my yeah. god. Like, I've worked with some of the best in the country. Um, and some of the worst, probably. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I will not name any names. The one who's, who says, uh, there's a strobe button, I'll be back in an hour. Um, I've worked with some amazing ones. Like, especially the guys who can actually, um, who, who are capable of lighting the place themselves, like, putting it up. Like, yeah. they're the guys who know yeah. what goes where and how it works. And if they are a DJ in their own mind as well, uh, they know how the music works, and if they know your set yeah. as in how you play music, they know exactly how to work the lighting right. And like you, you could have stood there and done the same gig, but it'd be a different atmosphere uh, if the lights weren't done right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I it's weird because I, I do conversely, if that's right, but agree with both points. There's, there's, a, there's a few clubs that I've played. Um, one in Newcastle and a couple of other different places around, around Europe actually that almost have, literally have no lights just a black box Yeah. now they can be unbelievable nights you're often, often the smaller rooms are often very close to the crowd and they are great but conversely the difference in being in like digital uh, and I know digital because I've, I've worked in digital with bad lighting jocks very good lighting jocks and or just someone didn't quite know what they're doing because they're just covering <laughs> and the difference is no pun intended night and day like the difference yeah. between when someone's and because not only does it it, it, it actually it's really difficult to explain yeah. someone's never done this but like when you when it's all working when the room's busy and, and you're going and they're going they all actually weirdly interfeed off each other and I, and I, I haven't thought about this for years but like but obviously you feed off the DJs uh, sorry off the crowd as a DJ yeah. and, and in some ways the crowd feeds off you because you have the ability to completely change and alter moods and, and energies and everything else but well, when even my eye contact with the crowd but when yeah. the lighting jocks added into that yeah like they can sometimes take like because of what they're doing I'm like I need to get faster and quicker and more energy <laughs> and then so, like, so sometimes even they can lead me in a, a, a different place and yeah. give me the inspiration and, um, and uh, sometimes I mean I DJ um off tractor, I have USBs as well, but I, I love DJ off tractor. I have various controllers and stuff. Mm. And in digital, we have like the, to the side of the DJ booth, there's a uh, where, the, where the lighting technician is, there's an array of monitors. And for about the last 18 months now, he takes a feed from my Mac so he can see oh, my tractor screen. I thought you were going to say he was no, so he can, so can see my tractor screen next to his like lighting array. Very good. Because sometimes I have the four things going on, and there's different builds, and there's different drops, and there's different acapellas coming in, and like so, so he like again takes it to that next level of like he's looking in advance to try and deliver the yeah. best kind of stuff. Um, so that's so that's so that's something that just that totally adds to. He sounds like I want. <laughs> Except you'd have to stand up on my shoulder because I've dropped using track. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna now we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up and we're gonna wrap it up the same way that I wrap up 
every podcast, which is Baby Shark. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Uh, no, Dreamliner. So how this oh, works wow. so how this works is you have to pick a, a venue. It can be open or closed, it can be a club, it can be a festival, it can be a stage that you've played, it can be a room, it can be anything you want, but you pick the place, the venue, whatever, and then you pick three DJs. You can or three acts, let's yeah. say. Okay. You can be one of the acts if right. you want to be involved with it, yeah. or you can merely be a attendee at this event. So someone to open, someone in the middle, and then someone to close. Yeah. And however you want to um, imagine that is up to you. Some people kind of think that the last one is the headliner, some people think that the middle one's the headliner and someone else is going on like, you know, seven in the morning to kind of yeah. wind it down. So you can kind of envisage this event how you want, but I just give you the um, the framework okay. of a venue and three acts that are alive, open or closed. Uh, they don't even in my mind it was always DJs. Yeah. <laughs> but some people have thrown some curveballs in there. So okay. Stephen, what do you what what's what's your event? Okay. Uh, I'm going to keep it local to where I live. Good. Good for the economy. Yeah. Uh, Get those euros back in the pocket. Yeah. So there's a uh, there's a massive field at the back over the river, which the backdrop would be Trim Castle. Amazing. This is this beautiful castle. Has anything ever happened there before? Like any events happened there before? Have you just... Uh, you just... We've got the... <laughs> With the, the hot air balloon festival. Okay, but you, there's no like, big dance events. Right? No, oh, you just, you just commandeered this. Yeah, yeah, amazing, yeah. love it. Right, okay. So uh, you have that, and you've got this. There's uh, another big uh, old room beside it called the uh, the yellow steeple. Okay. And uh, it, the whole setting is amazing. Incredible. So you're gonna build like a big like dome tent or something on yeah, there. Yeah, but you'll see the castle behind. You yeah. Know? Um, what, like 10, 15, 20,000? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, twenty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of lifeguards on duty for that water. It's yeah. awful currenty. <laughs> That's the parents. Yeah. Um, I'll do the first set. Okay, so, so you're going to one out the way. Love that. Um, Jesus, ah, uh, I'm trying to think. I know who I want to headline, but I don't know who I'd want in between. I don't know who would suit for the crowd. Um, I'd like, I suppose. Actually, do you know what? Uh, I think for his new show. Alone, so this is going to be in the middle of the night, and yeah. you're going to have to have lots of uh, graphics and visuals and stuff. Yeah, um, it has to be the the show that Eric Prince is putting on. That's big, that yeah, that, that yeah, yeah, you know. And then to top it off, it's got to be the Pyramid Daft Punk. Yeah, it's got to be the the Alive Tour. That exact one. Amazing. Bring it back, lads. That's it, right? Well, yeah. Thank you so, me, Eric Prince, and Daft Punk. I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. Stephen Cooper, 23 year old. Stephen Cooper, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Goodbye. Pleasure. Thank you. Felix Leiter's in the house. The podcast about DJs, what they do, and who they are.